Uh, hello. This morning, the uh, European countries uh, and Greece agreed to uh, the latest deal to uh, exchange Greek debt and to protect them. Uh, in, in, a, in a way, that what they're really doing, of course, is kicking the can down the road. There's absolutely no guarantee that they won't default later on. And the, the debt deal may actually, the, the deal that has been negotiated, may actually cause more problems than it solves. Uh, I know that the market was really up uh, last week because they, in anticipation of the deal, and then, of course, it, it often happens now in the markets where you, people buy on the, on the rumor and sell on the news. That's kind of an old marketing rule. Uh, but once the deal came out and people started taking a look at it, I, I think uh, the, some of the questions that I have been asking for months and haven't gotten an answer to, uh, you know, there were other people that started uh, asking the same question. And the, the big thing to me is if the, the deal as it's currently constituted, which is going to require a 53.5% haircut for private debt holders, uh, if that deal goes through, is that a default which will trigger uh, the credit default swaps? Uh, is that, is that, I mean, to me, if, if I am a hedge fund and I own a billion dollars in Greek debt and the, the, the Greeks owe me a, you know, a billion dollars, but then I went out and I insured that, hedged it. Uh, I think uh, insured is not the right word. Of course, it's hedge, but uh, I think for people that aren't finance people, I think they understand the term, but I, I've gone out and I've hedged so that I've got uh, credit default swaps that if Greece defaults will pay me the billion dollars. So I've kind of hedged my position. And a lot of the people who went out and bought Greek bonds, they would never have bought these bonds in the first place. And it's the same thing that's true in other countries that are still able to sell debt. Uh, there are now there are a couple countries, Portugal and a couple other countries in, in Europe that they can't sell their debt. I mean, they can't get any private debt, uh, private investors uh, to lend them money. The only way they can get money is is to borrow from the ECB or one of their uh, uh, one of the eurozones kind of collective uh, uh, systems that they have for uh, for lending money and providing liquidity for people that are for the countries that are in a little bit of trouble. So now, if the if the Greek if the, the Greek debt deal goes through as it is, the the deal has been signed with the European countries, with the uh, eurozone countries. The problem is that they have to make a formal offer to the debt holders for them to take a voluntary voluntary haircut of fifty three point five percent. Now, and they and then the assumption is. Or uh, the way that the deal has been set up, that that would not trigger a default, that would not trigger a credit default event, and that would not force the uh, the, the the people on the the people on the other side of a credit default swap Greek debt hedge, the people who've insured the Greek debt, in other words, and agreed to pay off the default swap if there's a pay off the bondholder that that has hedged if there is a default that those people won't have to come up with that money, that that will not be a, an event. At the same time, to me, if it is. Uh, so I was asking people, you know, first of all, okay, it's supposed to be voluntary in there, and, and it is in the sense that they're going to ask people to, to get involved. If it's voluntary, who would do it if they have hedged? And, and the, the thing of it is, the way the rules for the credit default swaps are written, if as little as one debt holder with... Uh, $1.1 million worth of Greek debt says, no, I don't want 
the new bond. I don't want to engage in the bond swap. And basically the idea is a, a swap. You're trading a bond that is going to be, uh, which Greece is unable to pay off and which is heavily, heavily discounted. You probably only paid, you may have only paid a, a, a 50 or 55 cents on the dollar for it to start with if you bought it lately. But it, even, even when it first sold, was heavily discounted. Uh, so you're trading a bond that, that for, for which your probability of being paid off is very low for a bond that is now guaranteed. Uh, the bonds will be changed. Uh, even the way their bonds are being designed and written is changed. Instead of being a Greek bond written under Greek law, uh, it's going to be a, a, a bond that's written under English law which much more with much more protections for the bondholders. And then it's guaranteed to a certain extent by the Europe by the ECB, uh, the European the Eurozone Financing Authority. So it's it's guaranteed by them. So you're trading in a bond that you won't get paid off on for one that you will, but you're going to have to accept a much lower rate of interest, a much lower coupon rate on that bond, and you'll make much less money. And then the, the, you, when you do that calculation as to how much has been given up, it's basically close to a 50% write down of principal. Uh, and that's a you know $120 billion in debt forgiveness, $100-$120 billion in debt forgiveness for the country of Greece, and then that is an incentive for them to do some politically unpopular things, which you get to later on, the, the politics, the situation in Greece. So that's the way the deal is structured. And then there'll be a formal invitation. Now, uh, the, the, the company that, or the, the entity that decides is the referee for credit default swaps, has said that if there is any coercive measures, and the Greek government is actually debating a coercive measure right now, which will force all of the private bondholders on the debt written under Greek law, which is about 90% of the debt, which will force them to accept the, uh, the transfer. If that takes place, if there is any coercive measure, then it certainly cannot be considered a voluntary exchange and, or a voluntary restructuring, and that would trigger... Uh, credit default swaps. Uh, if somebody decides that they don't want to make the exchange and then Greece is unable to pay that off or refuses to pay that off because they've said we're, on, we're not going to pay off anybody uh, that refuses to accept the deal. In other words, you can either accept the deal and get 52.5% or you cannot accept the deal and get nothing. And that's the, the, the kind of the way that they're, that this is being, uh, they're trying to arrange this. Well, if I've got a hedge for 100%, if Greece refuses to pay me and I get a hedge for 100%, otherwise I can take 52% or I could take, actually I've taken a 52.5% haircut, so I get, I, I'm accepting 47.5%. I'm going to say no and, and, and just say, Go ahead and refuse to pay me, and then I'll go and get my 100% uh, over here from the credit default swap I have. Uh, that's what I would do uh, if I was a company. So it's really not clear what's going to happen. And the actual formal, formal offer for the debt exchange will not take place until for a couple days. I think until uh, Thursday, the uh, make sure I have the right date. I think it would be two days from now, Thursday the 23rd will be when the formal ex exchange offer goes out. I've heard people say that 90, 95% of the, of the people are going to hedge that or are going to go ahead and accept that deal. I guess if you're not hedged, accepting, even, even if there isn't a coercive measure, even if there isn't a, a, a coercive measure, accepting 
you know, 52.5% uh, uh, instead of nothing, 47.5% instead of nothing is better than nothing. I mean, anything's better than nothing. And then also uh, probably bought that if you, you know, many of the, the companies that bought these things bought it at a fairly deep discount. At one point uh, over the last week, they were talking about a 70% haircut. And, and, and finally, in order to make this deal, I guess, a little bit more palatable, palatable for the private debt holders they have kind of reduced and raised the coupon rate on the new debt and uh, you know it's come down to like a 52.5 percent haircut instead of 70 percent haircut so you may have many of the people who own this debt they may have bought it at a very very low at very very low value now so the the, the key issue is is there going to be a credit default swap now Fitch one of the rating agencies has already signaled that in its opinion the debt is a default event. It's a default event. Uh, if you force private creditors to take this haircut, that is a de, a de facto default. No matter whether you call it voluntary or not, it's a de facto default. And then uh, their opinion. Now they're not the ones that, that make the final decision. They're not the referees on this. Uh, their their opinion is that this event should trigger credit default swaps in and of itself. And if there is a, a coercive measure, certainly it needs to trigger the, uh, the event. If you're forced to, to accept less than what the face value is, that's a default in, in, to Fitch. Any type of restructuring, forced restructuring like this, they, they would consider this to be a default. And then that should trigger credit default swaps. It's not really clear as the deal is first being signed exactly what's going to happen. But that's what I've been asking for months uh, as each time this situation comes through and they, as soon as they the the Merkel and uh, I think for political reasons uh, and I don't blame Merkel and the the Fins and the, the countries that uh, have good balance sheets and are doing all the right things I would be a little bit irritated at, at, at giving money to the Greeks uh, continually and then a year later it's going to happen again and even if you don't have a credit default swap in a hundred percent of the of the private bondholders uh, accept the deal and seem happy and everything goes through, you're still kind of kicking the can down the road. I mean, the the, uh, the assumptions of what needs to happen in order for Greece to get to the point at which you don't have this thing happen again are very, very tenuous. I mean, very the assumptions are... The, you know, wouldn't take much in terms of a down, an extra downturn in the economy, or or something else happening, a a a, a strike, you know, a, a week long nationwide strike, or something like that, would be enough to send the whole thing down into the the garbage can again. So it would, you know, it's even even if they do this, it's kind of like the analogy of you have a a nephew that's a meth addict or something and you you know he comes and he asks for twenty dollars and he you know asks for a hundred dollars or he asks for money I'm gonna take the money and go to rehab I'm gonna straighten my life out and I'm gonna do it you know and every time you give them money they just take it and go do drugs and then uh, come back at some point you know you gotta cut them off I mean you're not doing them a drug addict any favor giving them money to buy drugs so it's almost like I think the countries that are, have good fiscal situations got to be really pissed off. And there's a lot of pressure in Germany and Finland and places like that to be really tough on the Greeks. Uh, and then there's the secondary issue. You have what is the equivalent of sovereign moral hazard. If you write down $100 billion worth of debt for the Greeks, 
Now, what are the people in Portugal and Ireland and Spain, to a lesser extent, Spain and Italy thinking? Uh, why should we pay back 100% when if, if we had just been, you know, the, the hyperactive kid that screamed and cried and complained, we would have had our debt written down? Why shouldn't we get a debt write down too? Why shouldn't we force our creditors to take a 52% haircut on the debt that's owed to us? Uh, it's going to be hard polit politically in those countries to go and say, you know, we need an austerity measure uh, and we need, you know, higher taxes and we need uh, to have, you know, less government spending so that we can pay off 100% of the debt that we owe. When everybody's saying, well, you know, the Greeks were forgiven $100 billion of debt, you know, a third or whatever of their debt. Uh, of why, can't, why shouldn't we be forgiven? Why should we pay off 100%? Uh, we had to go through this as a country in the United States, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, several different, two different uh, key issues that were heavily debated during this time. And one was whether we should pay back the countries we owed that we had borrowed money for arms and stuff like that for the Revolutionary War. I mean, it was, the, these debts predated the, the Constitution. It was under the Confederation. Uh, but Alexander Hamilton says, you look, we have to take our place in the world. We have to pay what we owe. Uh, the, the Fins have a special place in the hearts of Americans, and of course, if you're older, you remember. You have to be really old, I guess, really old now to remember this. But the the Fins were the paid us back the debts from World War One. We saved a lot of the world in World War One by lending money to all the countries that were fighting, and none of them paid us back. The French, the English, none of the others, none of the countries paid us back, except the Fins. And uh, so they, and now the Fins, of course, right now today, they're one of the countries that has sound, solid fiscal situation. They don't have much unemployment. They don't have, you know, the problems that the other countries have. They don't have the big real estate bubble and bust that, that happened in Spain and the problems that are occurred in Portugal and Ireland and, and things like that. So they don't have those problems. They, uh, so we went through that, and there was also an issue when the Revolutionary War, when the, we gave, uh, because we didn't have cash to give them, we gave a $100 bond to the soldiers. And it took, you know, until, you know, of course, the war is over in 81, 1781, and, and then it took uh, six years before we had to sign the Constitution. And, and then it was a matter of, okay, uh, by that time, many of the people that had these $100 bonds, the soldiers, had sold them for $5, $10. They'd gone in a bar, gotten drunk, and somebody had offered them $10, $5 for their bonds. And then there was the issue of whether we were going to pay off those $100 bonds. And it was, you know, a lot of people said, you know, the people who hold these things are speculators. Very few of the soldiers actually still have their $100 bonds waiting for their $100. Of course, $100 is a lot of money in those days in the, uh, the, at the founding of the Republic. That was a huge amount of money, $100. And, and so most of the people that hold these things are speculators. Alexander Hamilton says, no, that's an obligation of the government, that $100 bond, and we have to pay it off. And so he made a lot of speculators rich. Uh, other people wanted to, to go back and give $100 to each one of the soldiers, not pay off the bonds, but give $100 to each one of the soldiers. And he said, no, well, you know, we, we gave a $100 bond to the, those guys. They sold it because they didn't believe in the government to a speculator. And they paid off and made speculators rich. Uh, of course, my, you know, many people think that Alexander Hamilton had 
a piece of that speculation himself. Uh, I don't know. But we've been through this kind of thing ourselves in this country, whether to pay back money that we owed that was from a long period ago and which was a huge amount of money and whether we should do it or not. And so in, in, in Greece, you can imagine a situation where you have high unemployment. You have a broken economic situation, very high unemployment. And, and then the, the, these other countries are coming in telling you you need to cut government spending uh, you need to lay off public sector workers and uh, all these austerity measures that are just going to make it worse. And, and as each round of austerity has been imposed on the Greeks, the economy has gone down and gone down and gone down and gone down. What most countries do when they're in a economic downturn, and that includes us, and we've done it almost every time we've been in a big economic downturn, is we've used fiscal stimulus and uh, loosening of the money supply, QE1, QE2, QE3. We're contemplating QE4 now. Uh, the Federal Reserve has kept short-term interest rates near zero for and, and promised to do that until 2014. Uh, that's what is done to get the economy rolling. When you have 10% unemployment, the reason that you're at a deficit is that you have a huge sector of the, the potential uh, GDP of the country, gross domestic part of the country, idled. And the way to, to get out of that is to get those people back to work, get down to 5% unemployment. And then you got those people working, they'll pay taxes, they'll go out and buy things, that'll create more business, more corporate profits, more taxes. Everybody's better off. If you grow, worry during a, a bad economic times, worry more about growing the economy than you do about whether you have a deficit. That's kind of standard economic thinking since the Keynesian era, and it hasn't even gone away during the monetary era, the monetarist era. Uh, you know, when you have bad times, the government needs to worry about getting the economy right first. Well, the, but the, but now our country is not in the eurozone. See, and that when you have a situation where you have this common currency, and you're part of a group of of thirteen countries that have a common currency. You can't just do that. You can't go, you know, use deficit spending to get yourself out of the trap. If Greece was on the drachma, this would not be a big deal. Even if they defaulted, it wouldn't be a big deal. And in any way, they wouldn't need the default. They could just inflate their way out. Many countries there have their own currency. When they get overboard in debt, they just inflate their way out. Of course, that causes inflation and they they're basically paying off old debts with new money that's worth less and that creates more inflation and that's not a good thing either but there wouldn't be this issue and honestly the problem is not the Greeks and it's not the Greek debt crisis the problem is that a small country like Greece has an economy the size of Mississippi I, I remember seeing somebody quote I'm sure that that's actually the case but I remember seeing somebody uh, say that that a small country like Greece going under could cause so much trouble. Why should that cause so much trouble? Uh, the, one of the reasons is that many of the banks in Europe that have that traditionally, you know, they make bigger banks in Europe that make these loans, these sovereign loans to different countries, those banks are in bad shape. The economic crisis is, they, they, many of them are what uh, Noriel Rabini called almost zombies. In other words, their actual net worth is almost nothing or negative, and they need recapitalization. Now, they've been re the banks have been recapitalized via loans from the ECB, 
from the, you know, the Eurozone economic authorities. Uh, so they've been recapitalizing. They're not necessarily in danger of going over. But if I am have negative net worth, I've got a business that's got negative net worth. I owe more money than I have, or I have more money going out than I have coming in. And I, I go out and I borrow money. Go out and borrow money. Uh, that doesn't really solve the problem. I still have a negative net worth. And uh, the, the one of the examples of this is the Greek uh, banks will not have to take this haircut. It's one of the reasons that the banks are not required to take the haircut. Only the private credit holders are the ones that uh, creditors are the ones that have to take this haircut. And that doesn't really make sense. I mean, why should a private creditor have to take a haircut when the uh, central banks and other entities don't have to take a haircut. Uh, and that would make it, in the, in the future, that would seem like to me to make it much harder for uh, governments to borrow money. And of course, they, even a healthy government would have to pay more of a risk premium, and it would cost them more money in the long run. And that's one of the reasons that many people honestly feel that it's a bigger problem, it would be a bigger problem to bail the Greeks out than it would be to let them fail. Now, a, a, a sovereign failure would cause a lot of problems, primarily because it may put many of these banks under. And it's also prob it also may be true that some of the counterparties or the insurers of the hedging, of the hedges, in other words, the people on the other side, on the other side of the default swap, the people that are going to pay off the, the, the default swap, some of those are banks. Some of the companies uh, buying or insuring uh, Greece from default uh, for the companies that own their bonds and want to hedge, some of those may be banks. And what if what happened when we had the, the credit crisis here and Lehman Brothers went under was that uh, you had a lot of companies that had that were had bonds or had some sort of interest in Lehman that hedged that by buying credit default swaps. And then there were other people, uh, very smart people who didn't necessarily have uh, an interest in Lehman or want to hedge, but they knew Lehman was going under, and they knew that they could buy credit default swaps on Lehman for way less than the probability that they would go under. And uh, then when, then when uh, Lehman Brothers, people knew for several months that Lehman Brothers was in trouble, that they were probably going to go under. So it, the Federal Reserve and you know the treasury and people like that they thought well everybody knows they're going under uh it's obvious pretty obvious that they're going to be going under so uh it should be an orderly event i mean even though lehman brothers is a big company and it's you know it's got a lot of fingers everywhere and it got a lot of uh people that have invested money in it different uh accounts and different things that that are going on you have you know bondholders and people like that that need to be paid off uh even in that situation, they figured, well, it should be an orderly default. Well, it turned out that it wasn't orderly at all. And it turned out that, that there were several hundred million dollars in hedges or credit default swaps that one stupid company called AIG had insured. And the, of course, if uh, you were a Goldman Sachs and you, uh, you had, you know, you had an interest. Uh, you were, you had some Lehman bonds, and then you had gone out and hedged that by buying credit default swaps. You thought you had done the responsible thing. You'd gone out, you know, you understood. You'd lent them money, but at the same time, you bought default swaps to kind of cover that. So you had hedged your position, 
and protected yourself. But then it turns out that that uh, let's say you're you're a company and and Lehman Brothers, you have an in, you know, bonds in Lehman Brothers for a couple billion dollars. You go out and buy insurance through a credit default swap uh, for for a couple billion dollars, and then Lehman Brothers, sure enough, Lehman Brothers goes under. It's not really that unexpected. So you go to the company that you you know the credit default swap company, the the other person. Uh, on the other side of that, your counterparty, in essence, and uh, you say to them, "Okay, I'm ready for. I'm, you know, Lehman Brothers gone under. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, and you know, two million, two billion dollars, please." And it turned out that the one single company called AIG had done that to like hundreds of people, so they had several hundred billion dollars in in credit default swaps that they had to pay off on, and they didn't have any money. They didn't have that money. And AIG is a huge, successful company. I mean, they're one of AIG is one of the biggest insure, insurance companies in Korea when I was there. Had a huge operation there, a very successful worldwide company that does. And most of the things that they do, the insurance selling and stuff like that, most of the things they do, they're very successful, very good company. But you had a group of about eight or nine people that were operating in one office. And in the movie The Big Short, it talked about the fact that uh, that that you know you had like fifty thousand employees over here. And you had nine employees here. Well, those nine employees made more profit uh, than the other 50,000 employees. Of course, it was phony profit because what they were doing was they were selling, they were, they, were, they were buying, they were on the other side of these credit default swaps. Basically, they were selling the insurance and uh, agreeing to pay off. And then they were booking that as revenue and, and because they didn't think, you know, they were booking a lot of that as revenue. And then, of course, when the thing went belly up, they didn't have the money to pay off. And uh, the, 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 of, of all the bad things that different companies did during the thing, from the robo-signing to some of the mortgage people who, who uh, would lend money to strawberry pickers that made you know, $14,000 to buy half-million-dollar houses, the worst of the whole thing was AIG. And you may have an AIG hidden somewhere in this Greek thing. There may be some banks in Greece that have sold these default swaps, sold the insurance, uh, provided the insurance on the insurance side of default swap that stand to lose a lot of money that they don't have. Uh, remember, if a bank has a negative net worth and then all of a sudden they have to come up with several billion dollars cash, well, the only, they won't go bankrupt because they, the ECB has agreed to lend them money, but that doesn't, they're still, they, all it does is make them more of a zombie. So you may have a situation where what Rubini said, you're going to end up with these zombie banks all over Europe that have negative net worth and can't pay off. So the whole thing, honestly, to me, is a big mess. And I, I really feel like, and other people disagree with me, I want to know what you think. Send us emails. And, and you got to remember also, I'm, I'm talking about this kind of on the day it happened. And uh, so it may, there may be some other details that come out, uh, other things that happen that uh, it may be that, that somebody that's on the other side of the CDS situation uh, is going to provide... Uh, is, is going to make a deal with some of the bondholders. Look, you go ahead and take your 47% pay cut. Don't, don't, uh, ex, ex, you know, don't cause a default, and we'll cover some of what you're missing out of that 52% haircut you're making. There may be some kind of deal worked out between the people on both sides of the CDS situation. Uh, but then also, 
you have the situation with Spain and Portugal and other countries. If you cannot hedge, if if a 50% haircut does uh, does not trigger a default swap, you can be forced to take a 50% principal downgrade on a sovereign debt. What good is a credit default swap? What good is your insurance? So in other words, if the insurance is no good, uh, many of the hedge funds that bought this type of debt only bought it because they could hedge if they needed to. And if you can't hedge, now the size of the amount of money that is hedged in Greek debt is not that big. The CDS situation with Greece is not that huge, but it is with Spain and other countries. And so, you know, some of those people that are saying, you know, we thought we had hedged our Greek debt, but it turned out that we were forced to take this 50% haircut. What good is this insurance we're buying on the Spanish debt? And then if they can't buy insurance on the debt, there, many of these private investors would never have bought the debt to start with. Let us know what you think. Send us an email. Uh, if we're, send us an email, let us know. Uh, this thing may change. Uh, if, if there's a big, huge change in this, I'll come back on in a few days and uh, put up another podcast. But I'm anxious to hear what you think. Uh, it take, usually takes a day or so to edit this thing, and it's, I'm, up, I'm, I'm always up a day or two late. I may turn out to be completely wrong. But let us know what you think, and I'm, I'm really worried that this situation with Greece may not work itself out, and this deal that has been negotiated may turn out to be worse than what would have happened if we just let them default. And I'm not sure the Greek people want the deal anyway. I think maybe they would just have rather defaulted. And then we have a, you have an election coming in April. The two main parties have accepted the deal. What happens if they get voted out? Let us know what you think. Send us an email. Have a good day.